This morning I want to talk about truth. Truth matters. Truth matters. Hallelujah. Sometimes in the world they, they, say, they, they think that truth is indifferent. Whatever your truth is. But we believe the truth of the word of God. The truth that comes from Jesus Christ. That comes from Father God through Jesus Christ. Amen. Praise the Lord. Today's word is truth matters. And uh, we're, we will be looking at the gospel of Matthew chapter 26. But I want to look at Psalm number 31. That's a wonderful psalm. I encourage you, encourage you to read through all of Psalm 31. But I want to look at Psalm 31, verse number 7, uh, before we go to the Gospel of Matthew. In Psalm 31, uh, well, um, verse 7. I will rejoice and be glad in thy loving kindness, or in thy mercy. For thou hast considered of thou hast considered my troubles, or thou hast known my troubles. Thou hast known my soul in adversities. Adversities means what? Uh, extremely unfavorable experiences or events. Hardships, suffering, troubles of the soul. The Bible says here that we rejoice in the mercy of God. That he knows, he knows the trouble we're in. He knows what we've been through. He knows what we're going through. He knows what we will yet face if the Lord tarries. Amen. But God says he knows us. He knows what, what's going on. And it says he knows our soul. He knows all that, that takes place with it. He knows our mind. And that's why Jesus come, says, I've come not to give you a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Because Jesus knows we will go through things. How many of you go through things? That's life. This is the story of life. We will proceed through all manner of things in life. But Jesus Christ is the Prince of Peace. And he will stand guard over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus because he loves us. Because he cares for us. Amen. Praise the Lord. So no matter what you face, no matter what type of adversity, no matter what type of trial or situation or circumstance, Jesus is there. He knows what you're going through and he's there to see you through and to get you through whole and healed. Amen. Praise the Lord. Jesus is not going to bring you through broken and dragging you through and, and past. Jesus will see you through. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Jesus knows, you know, the Bible says that he's able to help us because he suffered everything. He's been through, there's nothing you go through in life, you or I. There's nothing we go through in life that Jesus has not already experienced in the flesh. That's why he's able, the Bible says, that's why he's able to help you in your time of need. He knows what you feel. He knows what you're thinking. He knows the pain, the suffering. He knows all that, but he's able. He's a great and mighty Savior, and he's able to help us through everything. Hallelujah. 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 How many of you have been through a night uh, where you just, uh, for some reason, you just, you, you, you know, it's amazing to me how when I prepare a sermon, when God is showing me something, Sometimes I experience it before I even preach it. And I was thinking, you know, 
in the introduction is that there's times when, for some reason or other, you just can't get to sleep at night. Now, I pray every night, God, my sweet sleep shall be sweet and peaceful. But last night, I didn't get there. I didn't get to sleep. If I did, it would have been sweet and peaceful. But I didn't get there. And so, you know, and it's not good to, to not get a full night's sleep. How many of you know that? You know, there's a lot of times that things happen. Sometimes people just can't sleep for one reason or another. Sometimes a, an emergency comes up. I remember I've, I've been in emergency rooms with someone all night long. And, you, you know, you just don't get sleep. And it's not good when you, when you experience uh, different things, you know, uh, throughout the night and you can't sleep. Well, Jesus understands what it is not to get any sleep. He knows what it is not to get a good night's sleep. When he was in the garden at Gethsemane. And this is what we want to look at. You know, truth does matter. You know, when, when people say, you know, this is a serious matter. This is a serious matter. We know what that means, don't we? A serious matter. This is something that we've got to consider. We really got to think about this and look into this thing because it's a serious matter. If, some, if, you see, if you consider something a serious matter, you don't just let it go, do you? It's foolish just to let it go. If you consider something a serious matter, then you need to look into it a little further, don't you? You need to examine it and want to find out what's going on here. When we look at somebody, we could tell, we could discern, something's not right. What's the matter? What's the matter? And why do we say that? What's the matter? Because we know something is not right. There's something behind the way you looking or acting or something or other. What's the matter? You know, I remember when I was young, growing up, you know, my, my father used to smoke camels. I don't know if you, you know, maybe you never smoked any. But he went to work and one day uh, I was home and I looked at that pack of camels and I said, I'm going to try one. I'm going to be like my dad and try one. And I got a camel and I put it in there and I lit it up and I took a deep inhale. Oh, man, I turned green, purple, pink. I don't know. You name it. I turned every color that there was. Next thing you know, oh, I was sick and everything else. And then my father comes home and he looks at me and he says, what's the matter? What did you do? I said, nothing's the matter. He said, you, you know, you can't. He, he, just by looking at me, he knew something was, something was up, right? So later on, I did fess up to the fact. And he says, you want to smoke, huh? He said, here. He gave me another one. He said, take a piece. And I got sick again. And he said, there, that should fix you. You should never want to smoke again. But he knew. What's the matter, you know? And so... You know, when, when you're looking at TV and all of a sudden it starts blinking, what's the matter with the TV? Something's wrong with the TV, right? And so you want to look to find out why. What's going on that makes that there? So, but when we think that something is a serious matter, we really need to look into it. And the night that Jesus spent in the Garden of Gethsemane is a serious matter. The last night, actually the last night of Jesus's uh, life on this earth is a serious matter that needs to be looked into. And so Jesus lived of that, that sleepless night. He lived through a serious matter that we need to look into. It was the final night of his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. It was the final night of his life before his crucifixion. Sleep wasn't on the agenda. Jesus didn't bring his uh, disciples uh, into that time and that place knowing that they were going to the Holiday Inn. 
they weren't going to get the sleep mattress number, you know, your, your number and my number, and he wasn't there to, to, for that memory foam stuff. Jesus went into the garden knowing it was going to be a sleepless night for him. You know, we don't know sometimes whether our night is going to be sweet sleep or restless or whatever. I confess the word of God over me and my wife that our sleep will be sweet and peaceful. Amen. And we should all do the same. But Jesus knew it wasn't going to be a night for sleep. He's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He knows all things. The disciples don't know all things, but he did. And Jesus knew exactly what was about to take place in that garden of Gethsemane. He knew it. There was no surprises. How many of you know there's no surprises to God? Jesus is not surprised by anything. He knows the hearts of man. He read, He can read. The, the, you know, the word of God separates everything. And, and God can read every heart and every mind. He knows everything that before it's going to happen. But Jesus knew that what was about to happen in the Garden of Gethsemane was part of the road, part of God's plan for salvation for you and me. It was part of the plan of salvation for countless sinners that without that time in the garden, we would be lost forever. For an eternity, we would be separated from God. But Jesus knew that it was part of the process that he had to go through for you and for me. But when Jesus went into the Garden of Gethsemane, he had you in mind. He had you in focus. He had all of us in focus. And knowing what was about to take place, Jesus walked forward into the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, how many of you would walk in forward knowing that you were about to be abused, brutalized, mocked, made fun of, arrested? How many of you would willingly walk into a situation like that? We would look for the nearest exit, wouldn't we? We would say, I ain't going there. But Jesus knew what he was about to face for you and me, and he went into it. He walked right in to that long, horrific night, aware that he's going to be facing shortly ahead unimaginable torture, physically, mentally, emotionally. Every aspect of Jesus' humanity was going to be suffering, physical, mental, and emotionally. He knew he would offer himself as a sacrifice to the Father and that Jesus... He knew that he was going to take our stripes, our punishment upon himself. He knew all that, but yet he decided to face the truth. He made a commitment. He purposed that this is what I will do. I will be the Savior I am, the Savior of the world. And Jesus faced the truth that unless he went to Calvary's cross, we would be perishing. Had Jesus not gone to Calvary, how would you and I gain entrance into the kingdom of heaven? There's no other way. That's why when Jesus prayed, Lord, if there's any other way, but there was no other way. And so Jesus walked right into that. And that was a terrible, terrible night that Jesus faked. And we've got to look at the truth that is found in the matter of Gethsemane. Jesus willingly placed himself in that place where certain events, horrific events, were about to begin and take place. 
Jesus knew it ahead of time, but he walked on. He walked forward for you and for me. We can't forget that. We can't consider that a light thing, that Jesus walked into to guard, to the Gethsemane Garden looking for you and me that he may save us. You see, earlier in the evening, earlier in that evening, good times were had by all the disciples. <laughs> Isn't it good when you're having a good time with your best friends and your family? What? It's, isn't it wonderful? They were celebrating the Passover feast, the Passover meal. It says, as evening approached, that Jesus got everything in place, and he went and he, and he sat down at a table with his disciples, and they were having a meal, a wonderful Passover meal. And it says, uh, they were remembering the goodness of the Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus, how wonderful you are. Can you imagine yourself sitting at the table with the Lord and everything is going good? Jesus, is, Jesus has got a meal there in front of you and you're remembering the goodness of God, oh, how he healed the sick and raised the dead and how he spoke these wonderful things. And it says the Bible says Jesus, you know, they talked with Jesus and Jesus prayed with them. He talked with them. It says they talked together and they sang songs together. That's what the Bible says. They were having a good time at the, at the Last Supper. They were singing songs together and Jesus was talking with them and they were talking with each other and oh, how wonderful life is going to be. How wonderful life is with Jesus, right? Isn't it good when you're able to have that good time of fellowship? And then they, Jesus got up and they walked to the Garden of Gethsemane. They didn't know what was in store, but Jesus did. Jesus knew exactly what was about to come about. And the night wasn't going to end with a comfortable snooze in the garden of Gethsemane. You know, the disciples were full. They were having fellowship with Jesus. They were singing songs, and now he's taking us out to the garden. Oh, what a wonderful night it's going to be in the garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus might tell us more wonderful stories, where we might be able to go and have a good night's rest under the stars in the sky. Hallelujah. If Jesus told them what was about to take place, you think they would have been singing wonderful songs saying, oh, yeah, let's go, Jesus. That's why sometimes the Lord doesn't let us know ahead of time what's about to come. Why doesn't the Lord show me? Why doesn't the Lord? Well, if he did, you may not want to go. If he showed you, you might run backward or sideways. And so Jesus led them and they followed Jesus into the garden a Gethsemane. And later that evening, some shocking events were just about to take place. From the celebration of the Last Supper, walking with Jesus in the stars, shining and everything else. And now all of a sudden, everything changes. That night takes on a whole different tone. Everything becomes different. Life changes. You know life changes? Nothing remains the same in life. Whether you're walking with Jesus or not, life changes. How many of you know life changes, right? And life was about to take a big change here for all of these disciples. Now, you know the story that Jesus's enemies arrested him in the garden of Gethsemane. Why? were these men? Why were they coming to arrest Jesus? Had Jesus committed some horrific crime? 
Had he done some terrible thing that he needed to be arrested by a whole slew of soldiers? He did none of that. But these were people who were moved by hatred. They came to get Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 59, it says, Now the chief priests and the elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death. Jesus knew what was in their hearts. He knew what their plots and their plans were. And yet Jesus knew that they were going to come for him in the garden. But Jesus went and waited for them to come. And it says that they, they were plotting to put Jesus to death. They were filled with hatred. They were filled with hatred. And it says, it says they fabricated, they sought false witnesses. They fabricated lies and deceitful statements. Why? Because that's the fruit of hatred. They hated Jesus. They didn't love Jesus. The disciples loved Jesus. But the scribes, uh, the, the, all the, the, the religious leaders hated Jesus. And the fruit of hate is lies and death and all this stuff. You see it. It's the fruit. Of hatred. The fruit of the Spirit is good, love, peace, joy. But the fruit of hatred is death. And it comes, it brings, fosters lies from the father of lies. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 60, the very next verse, it says that there is more fruit to come out of that fruit, out of hatred. It says in Matthew chapter 26, verse 60, but they found none. They couldn't find any false witnesses. And though, they, though many false witnesses came, and yet they found none, at last came two witnesses. You see, hatred tries to get others involved. Come on, join me. Come on in my lies and in my false things. A lying spirit, a, hate, a, hating, a hateful spirit tries to get others to come alongside of it. Birds of a feather flock together. That's how it is. And when someone is filled with hatred and is trying to fabricate lies, they want others to join them. Come on, let's fabricate some lies that we can kill Jesus. Because they hated Jesus. Love doesn't do that. Hatred does that. Amen? And the truth of, of who Christ was, the truth of his words, would not stop him. Why? Truth did not matter to them. They could care less about truth. They just cared about themselves. And when you care about yourself more than Jesus, then you have to fabricate excuses and lies and falsehoods as to why you don't want Jesus. Why you will not accept Jesus. Why you will not consider Jesus as Savior and as Lord. And it says they had their sinful minds set on silencing Jesus. That why? Because they perceived Jesus to be a serious threat to their lifestyle and to their religion. This has been ongoing from way back. When they saw Jesus as a threat to their lifestyle... Why is it that the world does not like Jesus or will not accept Jesus? Because Jesus challenges people to change their lifestyle, to start living for Jesus, 
to start living in pathways of righteousness and holiness. And when people love their lifestyle of sin, love their lifestyle of corruption, they don't want anything to do with Jesus. The Bible says the light has come, and those who hated the light hid from it, ran from it. And these men knew that their lifestyle would have to change if they accepted and acknowledged Jesus, and they didn't want anything to do with change. They wanted their lifestyle to say the same. And in order to do that, they had to get rid of Jesus. That's why the world today has says, don't mention the name of Jesus, because the name of Jesus implies and declares change unto righteousness. Change. And the world does not want to change. People do not want to change. Christians sometimes will change only so far. But God wants us to change totally and completely, to be born again, new creatures in Him. And they didn't want Jesus interfering with their way of religion. They were religious leaders. They were getting all the pomp and the circumstance, and, the, and they didn't want Jesus interfering with the applause and the power that they had as religious leaders. Jesus was a threat to their power. Who did Jesus rebuke more than the religious leaders? And this is why they were filled with hatred, because Jesus was challenging them to accept the truth and change their lifestyle and the way they practiced their religion. Jesus was a radical. And so they plotted and planned to get rid of him so that we can continue to live our lives howsoever we please. That we can make burdens on the people. That we can make them bow to us. That we can abuse them and take authority over their lives. So that we can put more weight on their shoulders. That's what religion does. Religion puts weights and burdens on you that you cannot bear, that you cannot carry. And it makes you depressed. You know, depression is when somebody steps on you. When you step on something, there's a depression. And that's what the devil wants to do through religion is to crush you, to step on you, to make you depressed. But Jesus came to set us free to worship God in spirit and in truth. And this is why they plotted to kill him, because he was a threat to their lifestyle and to their religion. But the disciples knew and the people knew that he came to set them free, to heal them, to deliver them. And so two witnesses came forward. And they tried to fabricate some false things and they tried to... But even there, they, 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 they came up with this and they spoke the truth in Matthew 26, 61 and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. Which is true. But you see, they were so concerned about the literal building. How dare you destroy our building? Jesus wasn't talking about a building. Earlier in the week, Jesus in the Gospel of John, he said, he told him, he made clear that he said, this is big key in John 21, 19. 
signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he turned to them and he said, follow me. Jesus was talking about the temple of his body would be destroyed and that God would raise it up on the third day. Hallelujah. Thank God for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is not caring about stone and mortar and brick. He's concerned about your life, your heart, your soul, your entire being. Jesus loves you and cares about you, not brick and mortar. That's not more important than you. Religious system is not more important than you. Jesus rebuked them and says, you lay burdens on them and you won't even lift a finger to lift one of those burdens, but you continue to pour upon their lives. And so they use that as a, as a, as a catapult to say, there, see, he said he's going to destroy the temple. What a terrible, terrible man he is. And they use that. They use the truth. They distorted the truth. Isn't that what the devil does? He distorts the truth. Jesus made it clear. He wasn't talking about the literal temple. He was talking about the temple of his body. And even all these false witnesses, they couldn't come to agreement. The truth didn't matter to them. Does truth matter to you? God's truth, the truth of the word of God should matter to us. But to them it did not matter. It didn't matter what Jesus was declaring. It didn't matter what Jesus was teaching. It didn't matter what the scriptures were saying concerning the Messiah. Because they just wanted the scriptures to, to feed their lifestyle. Twisting the scriptures to feed their lifestyle. We cannot twist scriptures to fit the way we live. We can't twist scriptures to make an excuse for what we're doing. We can't, we can't twist, twist scriptures to say, well, this is why we go to this church. We've got to look at the word of God and say, this word matters to me. This, this, is, this is, they studied the Bible to see what was true. They studied the scriptures to see if it was so. And so the high priests, they dragged Jesus throughout that night. They ran, the armed, the soldiers came in, and you know the whole story. Jesus didn't sleep. And they dragged him to the high priest. And the high priest asked, uh, asked Jesus, is this true? And Jesus, it says in Matthew chapter 26, verses 63 to 66, he refused to answer. It says, but Jesus held his peace. And the high priest answered and said unto him, I answer thee by the living God that thou tell us whether thou be the Christ, the Son of God. And Jesus said unto him, Thou hast said. Nevertheless, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power and coming in the clouds of heaven. And then the high priest rent his clothes, blasphemy, and says, What do you think we should do? He's guilty of death. Tell us, are you the Christ? Are you the Son of God? Tell us, as if truth mattered to them. And Jesus said, you said it, I am. And you're going to see the Son of Man. Truth didn't matter 
They didn't want the truth. They just wanted to find a way to put him to death. Does God's word matter to you? Does it matter what Jesus says? Don't we take this word to heart? Don't we love God's word? Don't we confess that when Jesus said, Peter, who do men say that I am? And he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? The high priest could have very easily said, we see through the word of God that truly you are the Christ. He could have repented and asked Jesus for forgiveness and mercy. But what did he do? He rejected Jesus' words. The truth didn't matter because he and his position and his religion mattered more to him than the truth, the Son of God standing right in his very face. Wow. Wow. You see, the high priest refused to believe the word of God. He refused to believe Jesus. And then the whole council, the whole council influenced by the high priest, began to shout, he's guilty of death. He blasphemes. He's guilty of death. You see how one man can influence the lives of others? Had that high priest said, truly you are the son of God, what do you think the other council members would have done? But the high priest mocked him, rejected him. And so everybody else that was part of that corrupt little circle agreed with the high priest. They didn't want any part of truth. They just wanted to enjoy their, their, their journey, their, their power trip. They wanted to enjoy their lifestyle that they had. And so they all cried out, crucify him, put him to death, get rid of him so that we could just go on about our business. Do you want to just go about your business or do you want Jesus to lead you and guide you? You want to follow Jesus. We want to follow Jesus. That's why we're here today. Because the truth matters to you. The truth matters to me. The truth matters to us. We declare Jesus to be the Son of God, the Christ. And so we take his word to heart and his word leads us and guides us through the days of our lives. Whereas those who reject him live life however they want. Do whatever seems right in their own eyes. Whatever is pleasing to them. Make their own laws. Make their own rituals. Do their own thing. But the end thereof is death. But to those of us to, to whom truth matters, it leads to life. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The truth is that Jesus continued to the cross because you matter to him. Not brick and mortar, you matter to Jesus. And so Jesus continued on to the cross. The truth just ma does matter. What about Peter? Jesus told the disciples on that night that they would abandon him and scatter into darkness. These were the words that Jesus spoke to his disciples. Those who were at table singing songs with him, listening to him. He washed their feet. They were talking about the wonders of Jesus. And Jesus spoke to them and he says, this very night you are going to abandon me and scatter. And Peter, in Matthew 26, 35, kind of scoffed at it. Peter said, Lord, though I should die with thee, yet I will not deny thee. Likewise also said all the disciples. 
God's word is true no matter what we think or how we feel about something. God's word is true above our, our, the way we think of things and the way we feel about things. You know, Peter and the disciples, they, could, they, couldn't, they couldn't see themselves uh, leaving Jesus. But Jesus spoke to them and says, you will abandon me and be scattered, every one. And Peter says, oh, no, Lord. No, 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 no. Not me. And all the other disciples chimed in. Not us, Lord. Jesus just told them they would. He spoke a word into their lives and says, you will. And they denied God's word and says, oh, no, we won't. That's why we need to take all of God's words to heart concerning our lives. And it doesn't matter how we feel. Oh, I could never do that. Oh, yes, you could. Were they bad, Peter and the disciples? No. They loved Jesus. But they couldn't, they couldn't accept his words. We need to accept all the word of God. And say, Lord, in light of your truth. God's word said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times. Not once, not twice, three times. Oh, no. The word of the Lord came to Peter, so you will deny me. Oh, no, not me. But God's word will come to pass whether you think otherwise, whether you feel otherwise. And so we've got to line ourselves up with God's word. We don't, we don't look at God's words and say, yeah, but that's for somebody else. But for the grace of God, there go I. You know the story in Luke chapter 22, verses 56 to 60, where it says that they were all around the fire while, while Jesus was, was, was being mocked. Mock trials, being mocked, beaten. There was a little courtyard and the fire was going and Peter was there and they said, you were with him. You were with Jesus. We saw you with Jesus. And it says, he denied. Woman, I, I don't know him. I don't, I don't know Jesus. She asked them, they asked them again. A man saw him. Another saw him. And they said, oh yeah, you, you were, you're, you're one of those that were with Jesus. And he said, no, he's not me. I'm never with Jesus. No, 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 no. See, the words of Jesus will come to pass. Whether we think they won't, or feel that they won't, they will. And the third time, you know the story, Peter said, I don't know the man. And it says he even cursed. And all of a sudden, you know the story, the cock crowed on the... And Peter realized that the words of God were true. And Peter failed, denied the Lord. What was Jesus going to do? Reject him? Say, Peter, how could you do that? 
How could you do such a thing? I am so ashamed of you, Peter. Is that what Jesus said? Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him three times. He told him, you're going to deny me three times. But yet, Jesus loved him. Yet, Jesus had mercy on him. Yet, Jesus would forgive him for even denying he knew him. You see, we can deny, but Jesus can never deny you. Jesus will never deny you his love. He will never deny you his mercy and his forgiveness. No matter what you do, Jesus will forgive you when we look to him and say, Lord. Gee, Peter, Peter, when the truth hit Peter that Jesus did say this, when he looked into it, he wept bitterly and cried from his heart. He knew what he did. He denied the one who loved him. When all, the, when all the eyes were on Jesus, Jesus had his eye on Father God and God's will, and he had his eye on you. He was doing it for you. He was doing it for Peter, who denied him. He was doing it for you and me, who were enemies of God. The Bible says when we were enemies, yet God loved us. Before we were born again, while we were still sinners, God loved us. God loved you knowing what you were doing and where you've been. He loved you. And he says, come, repent, and let me forgive you. Let me have mercy. Let me show you the wonders of my grace and my salvation upon your life. His eyes were focused straight ahead to the cross. And you know what it says in Hebrews 12 too. For the, Jesus is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross and its shame. What was the joy? Looking at your face, being with him eternally in the kingdom of God, knowing that you were saved and rescued by his stripes and by his blood, that you've been purchased and redeemed. There's joy. When Jesus looks at you, there's joy. There, God doesn't look at you with, with, with hate. And, and, and He looks at you with love. Peter, I know you denied me. Look at me. Come to me. Let me forgive you. Let me wash you clean. Aren't you glad that Jesus loves you? Like Peter, we can fail. We can fall. But Jesus never fails. Jesus never fails. His tender, loving mercies endure forever. His compassions are new upon us every morning. If any sin, God is quick to forgive if we repent. If we ask the Lord, forgive. He redeemed you. He redeemed you with his body and his blood. He loves you. He suffered and died and rose for Peter, for you and for me. The truth matters. The truth of what Jesus went through that entire night matters to you and to me. Because he endured it. He went through it. Because not just for Peter, not just for his disciples, but he went through that night for you and me. He was arrested and knowing what was going to take place. He faced mock trials. He faced them spitting in his face. He faced them putting, beating him and, and mocking him. He did it because he loved you. 
Jesus, you loved me, and you put yourself through that for me. A sleepless night in the garden. A sleepless night being dragged and mocked and beaten and spit upon and slapped. A sleepless night for me. That my sleep would be sweet and peaceful. That I may have life eternally with him. And the love that God, Jesus, showed Peter changed Peter's life. Love changes us. And the love of God, the love of Christ shown to Peter, changed Peter. Never again would Peter deny Jesus. But Peter would go to proclaim the gospel and the wondrous love of his Savior and his Lord. And if love changed us, if love changed me, how can I not be changed now to go and proclaim the love of Jesus? No longer to be ashamed of him like Peter was at the fireside. Too many times Christians are like Peter in life today. They're ashamed of the name of Jesus. They're ashamed to proclaim it openly that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. And they get on TV shows and TV programs and they will not mention the name of Jesus because they don't want to offend anyone. They don't want to mention the name of Jesus because it's not politically correct. But I'm telling you, when we mention the name of Jesus, there is power in that name. There's the, the name of Jesus is the only name that declares love for you and for me. And that's why the gospel says, I am not ashamed. It says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God. And that's why Jesus said, if you're ashamed of me knowing what I've done for you, if you're ashamed of me knowing I went through a sleepless night being brutalized, for you, knowing that I went to Calvary's cross, for you, how could you be ashamed of me? And if you're ashamed of me, Jesus said, I will be ashamed of you in front of my Father. Take what Jesus did in the garden and on the cross as a serious matter that concerns you. He did it for you, for your life. The truth is, we matter to Jesus. If you didn't matter to Jesus, if I didn't matter to Jesus, he would have exited that garden before all of that happened. Found to take me home. Beam me up, Scotty. I'm out of here. He could have did that. Jesus could have said, sayonara guys, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this. But love kept him through that night and all through the way to the cross. And through the cross to death. And through death into the resurrection. And through the resurrection to be seating at the right hand of the Father. Because you matter to Jesus. You matter to God. He's not concerned. God created the heavens and the earth. He created the trees and the birds and, and all, the, all things, the brick and mortar. That's, it's all part of God's creation. 
But God says you matter more than the birds. You matter more than the trees. You matter more than the brick and the mortar. You matter more than anything else to me. And so I've gone through this Garden of Gethsemane. I've gone to Calvary. I've gone to the grave. I've gone to the resurrection. I've gone to sit at the right hand of the Father because you matter to me. What glorious gospel this is. That I matter to God. God cares about me. No matter what I've done and where I've been, he knows it as it says. He knows the troubles and the things I've faced. He knows all the sins I've done. He's the out, but he's willing to wash it all away. Forgive me, make me a new creation. Bring me into his everlasting kingdom because I matter to God. And God, Jesus, should matter to me. I should take his word to heart. This should matter to me. This should matter to about the way I live life. This should matter the way I speak and walk and talk. This should matter, make a matter to me how I treat people, how I speak of people. This should matter because Jesus matters to me. And I matter to Jesus. He continued on his way to the cross so that you and I can continue to live each day. Without Jesus, there's nothing to live for. There's nothing to live for without Jesus. Live, die, make merry, eat and drink, for then you die. But that's not what the gospel says. Come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Drink the new cup anew with me in the kingdom of heaven. Because he lives, that's, know that song? Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, I can face today. Why? Because I matter to Jesus, and Jesus matters to me. Oh, Jesus, I take serious the what you did on Calvary's cross. I take serious what you went through in the garden and all the way to the cross. I take serious all these matters that you did because you love me. He took my place. He took your place on the cross that we might have a place in heaven with him. That's the truth. That's the truth. And the truth, it matters. And we matter to God. And so the truth matters to us that you matter to God. That should change our lives. The way we live, the way we act, the way we talk, the way we speak, the way we think, the way we design our days should be through the word of God, knowing that Look at what Jesus went through for me. Not for somebody else. Look at what he went through for you. To give you beauty for ashes. To be the glory and the lifter of your head. To bring you from faith to faith and glory to glory. To give you a future and a hope. You don't think you matter to God? You don't think you matter to Jesus? Don't let the devil lie to you. You matter. God is concerned about every aspect, every area of your life, little and big.
this tiny and the huge. Everything in your life matters to God. And God wants to heal. God wants to restore. God wants to bless and build you up. God wants you to journey with him on a highway of holiness into the kingdom of heaven. God wants you to be fruitful for his glory and for your namesake. And above all, God desires that your joy be full. Joy in walking with Jesus. Joy in serving with Jesus. Joy in gladness is how God wants us to live our lives. Having joy in gladness, knowing that you matter to Jesus. You matter to God. Have joy. Have gladness. It doesn't matter what the devil thinks of you. It matters what God thinks of you. And God thinks so highly of you, he gave his only begotten son that whosoever should believe on him will not perish but have everlasting life with God. So take that devil. I don't care what you think about me or what you say about me. I care about what matters is what God thinks about me and what Jesus thinks about me and what God is saying over my life and what the word of God speaks over my life. This is what matters to me. Not the lies of the devil. Not what people say about you but what God says about you. What the word of God is a covering and a shield over your life because you matter to Jesus. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Stand with me.